Welcome to another episode of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. It's a beautiful, cold day here in Southern California. I am not this week at the beautiful Unger Sargon Studios. I am recording at home because of social distancing. Fortunately, Ellie Unger Sargon, who is at home, will get this and will mix this uh, and then it will sound well. I hope you are all staying safe, washing your hands, social distancing, and looking out for elderly folks in your area. Also, you can help one of the most defenseless populations by calling your representatives and your senators and telling them to release all the undocumented detainees in the immigrant prisons like the Adelanto Detention Center. Most of them have not committed any crimes, and yet they are being held in crowded quarters just waiting to become a petri dish for COVID-19. We are starting the second chapter of Bava Batra this week. It is on page 17a. It can't be missed in the edition that the widow and brothers Ra'im published in Vilna, low these 150 years ago or so. It's at the split on the page. And it can also you can also find it in Safaria or Alhatora. And I will, of course, post links to that on the podcast page. We start with the Mishnah. A person should not dig a cistern next to his fellow's cistern. The first chapter is all about partnerships and how do you deal with your neighbor who is living in the same courtyard or in a house that it's adjacent to you. In this Mishnah, we're going to be talking about what happens when you have property, which is adjacent to somebody else's property, and how do you uh, negotiate those relationships between properties. What is the extent to which you can exploit your property rights on your property? So we start with this uh, kind of paradigmatic case, and this line is going to be important in our sugya. Basically, our discussion today will be all about this first line. So, a person is not allowed to dig a cistern next to his friend, his fellow cistern. And neither a a, a shiach, which is a different type of cistern, a, a more elongated cistern below ma'ara, and not a cave, which is not actually a, a natural cave, but a cave that is dug in, but has a roof. Lo amat mayim, and not an aqueduct. Lo nevrechet kovsin, and nor a laundry pit, a pit that you can put water in and do your clothes in. Ela imkein herchik mikotel chavero shloshat fachim v'sad besid. Unless he distanced these things, three tfachim, which is about 18 inches from his fellow's wall, and he poured a plaster in the water containers so that they would not, so that the water wouldn't seep through, seemingly, and weaken his fellow's wall. And he also must distance the gefet is the leftovers from an olive press, the dung, salt, plaster, or sandy wash, and rocks from his fellow's wall, three tfachim, about 18 inches, or he has to put this kind of plastery whitewash over them. Now, most of the Mishnah in the printed edition has O 
in parentheses, but actually all of the uh, manuscripts have O Sad Basid, or because it doesn't make sense to necessitate both of them, since what we're going here, going for here is to distance the, the problem here is that there's an interaction that might happen between these piles of stuff like dung or the leftover things from the olives, which might have a, a, a some sort of a chemical reaction, not exactly a chemical reaction, but will cause the wall to deteriorate. So you could either do that, or if you put the plaster on top of it, it will stop that from happening. But unlike the first category of stuff, which is like, which is the cistern or the various types of things you're digging to hold water, there the plaster makes those things waterproof so that the water doesn't leak out and thereby weaken the wall. You have to distance seeds and plowing and urine from the wall, three tvachim, again, 18 inches. And that's also so that you don't weaken the wall. You don't want to plant right up against the wall. You don't want to plow right up against the wall. And apparently you don't want to urinate against the wall, something which uh, we should all teach our little sons. And you distance a mill, three tvachim from the bottom stone, the shechev, the bottom stone, the stone which is laid, which is laid upon, which is the larger stone, which is four tvachim from the grinding stone, the rechev, which is like the the riding stone, and if you have a, a potbelly stove, so you distance it three from the kilia. Kilia is the Greek word, comes from the Greek word kolia or belly, which is where well, you get a potbelly stove. So that's the wider part of the stove. So three tvachim from the wall, which is four tvachim from the base on which it is sits, which is narrower than the kolia. Okay, so now the Gemara. The Gemara is going to go back and focus on the first line of the Mishnah. A person should not dig a cistern, which is next to uh, his fellow's cistern. So the Mishnah opened with the word bor and ends with the word kotel. Right? It says at the end, unless he distanced from his fellow's wall three tefachs and put plaster on it. So why does it begin with he shouldn't dig a cistern and ends talking about a wall? It should rather say, Unless he distanced from his friend's cistern three tvachim. Amar Abaya v'itema Rabbi Yehuda mikotel boro shaninu. So Abaya and perhaps there are those who say that this is Rabbi Yehuda said that actually when it says kotel, it is referring to kotel boro, the wall around the cistern. Kind of if you think of a cistern that has a built-up wall and then so that it keeps the water in. That's what we're talking about. So then the Gemara still asks the same question again, which is, but here it's asking, why doesn't it say until you distance from the well of your friend? Meaning, why use the synecdoche of kotel, the wall, to mean the wall of the well? 
rather than just saying the well, which we can understand to mean the wall of the well, because a well has a wall. So, according to the Hamburg manuscript, they add a, what do we learn from here? So what do we learn? We learn that actually the wall of the cistern is three tefachs itself. My what's what? Why is what, what does this help us? What, what do we learn from here? This helps us in when we think about a business arrangement. When somebody says to their fellow, I am selling you a cistern and its wall, the wall around the cistern has to be three tefachs, about 18 inches. Okay, so I want to explain just one thing here about the text. This is an interesting move. That type of a, a, a hermeneutic, that type of a, a, an introduction that you open with one and you close and then continue or close with another word, we, we know this type of move from other places. So, for example, in the third parak of Babakama, the Mishnah there is talking about one who leaves a jug in the public domain, but it starts by saying, one who leaves a jug, a cod in the Shitrabim, and then finishes by saying that if somebody breaks their chavit, and then the Gemara says, Patach chavit. If you he starts by saying cod and he finishes by saying chavit, both of which terms mean a jug. So the Gemara asks, well, why did he do that? And it ends off also by saying, that the difference is actually about business, almost the same thing here. The difference is that they're, they're synonyms. Kad and chavit, some places they say kad, and other places they say chavit. And the whole and what we learn there, the extra learning that we have, the value added of the learning there, is that if you say kad, you can't, in a place where they mean chavit, or you say chavit in a place that you mean kad, it still counts. Here we're doing something else. Here there is the added learning is that we're introducing a new term. There's no reason when we read the first line of the Mishnah to think that there's any wall involved. Right? A person should not dig a cistern next to his friend's cistern. That is a self-enclosed statement. And then it goes on to talk about other things that you'll also, using the same verb, lo you shouldn't dig, a shiach, a mara, all these other kind of water containers, unless those things are distanced from his fellow's kotel, from his fellow's wall, three tfachim. So now the crux here, the interpretive crux, the problem is that the same verb is modifying the first line, which seems to already have a distance, and the second line, which doesn't have a distance element in it until we get to the, unless he distances it from his friend, three tfachim. So there are two ways to go. One is the straightforward way, it seems, is to just understand that that the first line is an independent line, and even though the modifier still modifies both the, the you shall not Dig modifies the second line also. The Gemara is exploiting that crux to actually introduce the fact that when it says kotel at the end of these three things, it means kotel borosha chaviro. That introduces a problem that it's the wall of the cistern because that introduces a problem. Then, then is that also saying that you shouldn't dig a, an aqueduct unless it is three tfachim from the wall of the cistern of his friends? That's, I think, more problematic than just going 
the straightforward way. However, that helps us out later by introducing this line of a bias, which we're going to need to explain the next part of the sugya. They're preparing an entryway into the next part of the sugya. Okay, so at this point, the next part of the sugya. Now, the next part of the sugya is based on a dispute between Abai and Rava, which seems to stand on its own, and then we're going to bring that dispute back and juxtapose it with our Mishnah. So here we go. Habal Itzmar. There is a statement. We know of a statement. Habal is smoch bitzad hametzar. Abai omer sumech, Rava omer eno sumech. One who comes to put something right next to the border of his friend's field, right at the at the edge of his property, right? If he wants to put a, a cistern right at the edge of his property, Abaya says it's okay. Rabba says not okay. So in what situations is this talking about? The Gemara says, However, if this is a field, if his fellow's field is a field that normally people dig cisterns in, meaning a field that needs irrigation, that is not irrigated merely from rain. So then everybody says, you're not allowed to put a cistern right next to the border because assumedly you'd think that the other guy also wants to build a cistern and you have to separate, you have to distance it a bit. Key pligi, in what situation are we actually, is there a dispute? In a field in which people don't normally dig cisterns, meaning a field which is just uh, watered by, by rain. So in that case, Abaya says, you're allowed to put it right up to the corner, up to the edge of the property. Because the other field is not normally, their cisterns are not normally dug in the other field. Rava Amar and Rava says you're not allowed to put something right up to up to the edge of the property. The Amarlei Kihechi Daat Imlach Vechafart Ananamni Mamlachna Vechafarna because the other guy could say just like you decided all of a sudden to dig a to dig a cistern here, so too I could decide and dig a cistern also. So therefore, Rava says you're not allowed to dig a cistern right up to the edge of your property. Igadamri, there's another version of this very same dispute or another version of the understanding of this dispute. Remember, the dispute itself is just, are you allowed to dig a cistern right up to the edge of your property? And then it's kind of like a, a jazz move. That's the basic theme. Are you allowed to dig a cistern right up to the edge of the property? Abayah says no. Rabba says yes. And then they build it out. What are we talking about? And the first possibility is they're talking about a field uh, in which there, are, which is not normally made for cisterns. In other words, a field which you don't normally dig cisterns in. Ikadamri. No, there's another version. Kipligi. When is our, is the dispute? Actually, in a field in which they normally do dig cisterns, meaning a, a field that needs to be irrigated. So there too, Abaya Omer Sumech. Abaya says you're allowed to dig the cistern right up to the edge of the property. And now... Here is this variation. The variation is that we're going to introduce data from further on in the Mishnah, from chapter 2, Mishnah 11, which says the following, You have to distance, if you're planting a tree, you have to, make, you have to plant it 25 amot, and ama is more or less half a yard, 18 inches, from the bore. You have to distance the tree from the bore, from the cistern, 25 amot. 
And in certain types of trees, 50 amot, whether bein milamala, bein minatsad, from whether it's on from on the top, from the side, whether it's on top, from north south, or from east west. If the cistern was there first and you planted the tree, you have to cut the tree down. But if the tree was there first, then you don't have to cut it down. But if you come there and you see that there's a cistern and a tree and you don't know which one got there first, so then you don't have to cut it down. Rabbi says, you know what? Even if the cistern was there first and then they planted the tree, you don't have to cut it down. Why? Because this guy is planting on his side and this guy is digging uh, the cistern on his property. So there's two different properties. Rubiosi, this seems to be that the dispute between Rubiosi and the sages and Rabbanan is that everybody has their property. Shifra has her property and Ruvain has his property. Ruvain wants to dig a cistern. Fine. Gag is in the height. Dig a cistern. Shifra wants to plant a tree. Fine. Gag is in the height. Plant a tree. The fact that they're right next to each other, that's a whole different thing. Rabbanan say no. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so now the Gemara in this variation is going to bring that into relationship with the dispute of Abaya and Rava, whether or not you're allowed to dig a cistern right at the end of the property. So Abaya says you're in a field in which they normally dig cisterns. He says you're allowed to go all the way up to the edge of the property, even according to the rabbis, Afilu Rabbanan, even according to the rabbis, who said, uh, who said that you have to, that in the case of the tree and the cistern, you have to move the tree away 25 amot. Why? Even according to the rabbis, that scene, the rabbis seem to be saying that you can't do this kind of thing. There, at the time that they planted the tree, there was a cistern there already, so therefore you have to move it away. Abel Hacha, in our case of just putting the cistern at the edge of the property, Bidana de Kachafar Letalabor. At the time that you dug the cistern, there was no other cistern. So therefore, Abaya says, even though there's a good probability that the, that there will that the other guy will want to build a cistern, but at that moment there is no cistern. Virava. So what do we do with what does Rava say? Rava says what he always says. You're not allowed to build a cistern. And what is his chiddush here? What is the variant here? I feel Rabbi He says there's no. You're not allowed to dig a cistern, even according to Rabbi Yossi, who said there. This guy is building on is digging on his property, and this guy is planting a tree on his property. So Rabbi Yossi seems to be say that everybody could do whatever they want. But Rabbi says that even according to Rabbi Yossi, he says everybody could do what they want. In our case, you can't, you're not allowed to put the cistern up against the, the border of the property. Why? Hani mili hatam there with the, with the cistern and the tree to be done at the time that he planted the tree, it did not have roots which could damage the cistern. But here, Amarle, the guy who has the field next to where you're planting the cistern, where you're digging the cistern, says, Kolmara Umara, the Kamachit, Kamarpit Lala Arai. Every time you, you dig into the dirt, every shovelful that you dig into the dirt is, is actually weakening my property. 
So the distinction here is what the, the rabbis called gire, or which is literally arrows, but direct damage or indirect or future damage. The rabbi says that Rabbi Yossi's case there, where he says, I don't care, is because of the fact that there is no direct damage. But here, when you're digging a cistern right next to the other guy's property, you're actually causing direct damage by weakening the property so that he can't plant or whatever it is he wants to do with the property. Okay, now we're going to take this and put this back into the Mishnah. See what happens when we reintroduce the Mishnah. Remember our Mishnah, the first line of the Mishnah? Tznan, le'ach baradam, bor, samuch chavero. A person may not dig a cistern, which is right next to his fellow cistern. Tama de'ikabor, halakabor somech. The reason is because there is a cistern there. However, if there was no cistern, he's allowed to go all the way up to the end, right? All the way up to wherever his friend's cistern would have been, right? Um, there's actually a better version, which is in the Escorial manuscript, which says, Lo yachpor, halakabor yachpor. If there's no cistern there, he's allowed to dig because there's nothing to be somech next. There's nothing to make it adjacent to if there's no bore there. So, um, if there's no cistern there, he's allowed to dig right up to next to where, where his friend is. So now we go. Now we have to keep everything in mind here. We'll go over it. So this all works out. This is fine. Our, the line in our, the halacha in our Mishnah that you're not allowed to dig a cistern next to your fellow's cistern if there is already a cistern, but if there's no cistern, you're allowed to. That works according to the version that we said that in the question of can you dig a cistern all the way up at the border of your property, it is in a field that is not normally appropriate for digging cisterns. There And everybody says in that kind of field, you're allowed to. So, So our Mishnah then would be talking about a field which is not appropriate to digging cisterns. In other words, a field which is irrigated just by rain. Ella. So in that kind of situation, that our Mishnah works fine. But there's another situation. There's another interpretation. But according to the version that says that actually in a field in which is not appropriate to digging cisterns, that's where there is a machloket between Abaye who says, you're allowed to go all the way up to the border, and Rabbi says, you're not. So, so that so it works out, according to Abaye, because we learn the Mishnah to say, so, so you're allowed to, when there is no cistern, you're allowed to dig all the way up to his friend, all the way up to the property. But according to Rava, it's it's difficult because Rava wants to say you're not allowed. Amalach Rava, so Rava says ha it marla, and this is remember all the way back in the beginning with Abaya and Rav Yehuda ha it marla Amar Abaya v'itamar Rav Yehuda mikotel baroshaninu. So Abaya says, and perhaps Rav Yehuda says that we're talking about a situation that it's not the kotel, the wall, but rather the wall around the bore, meaning the wall around the cistern. So actually. It's not all the way up to the property line because you still have to distance it so that you have room, the three tfachim, for the wall around the sister. Okay. This week's episode is brought to you by Plugta. 
the original social conflict consultancy. Do you ever wonder why Hillel always won and Shammai went home empty-handed? Why Abayag always got the participation trophy while Rubba's opinion became law for generations? Well, we can tell you. Plugta will teach you how to lean into conflict. How to lean in so far that Uncle Max will cry uncle. Now, you can get a free trial just in time for Passover. As Ram Das wisely said, If you think you are enlightened, go home for the holidays. Well, this time when you go home for the holidays, make sure you go armed with the social knowledge that all your favorite sages had. This time when your cousin Morty starts in again with his favorite troglodyte theory about politics, you'll be prepared with a Raminhu, and Ibchemistabra, and Adaraba, and he will be sitting in silence until Elijah comes next year. Right now, exclusively for listeners of this podcast, if you go to www.plukta.com slash you can take a free conflict-style assessment test. And we will set you up with a very reasonably priced course that will make you the bar, the bar Plukta to fear in no time. But there's another version, and actually, another version, which is, here the text becomes a little problematic. Ika da Amri, there's another, Yeshomrim, there's another version of this. And now we leave out the next line. So there, there's a bunch of different things that, that the printed edition repeats the line that we just had, Mikotel Boroshaninu, but all the manuscript, most of the manuscripts leave that line out, and it actually makes sense not to have that line in there. And we go on. So Bishlama, so according to the version that says that we're ta- that Abaya and Rabba's dispute was talking about a field which is made for cisterns, in other words, a field where you usually dig cisterns, and in that kind of field, everybody agrees with Rabba, who says you're not allowed to go all the way up to the, the boundary line. So then our Mishnah is talking about a field in which people usually dig cisterns. So therefore, that's why if there's no other cistern there, you're allowed to go all the way up to the, the field. But according to the, to the version which says that in a field in which people usually dig cisterns, there is a machloket, there's a dispute between Abai and Rava. Abai says, you are allowed to go all the way up to the border of the field. Rava says, you're not. So that makes sense. So our Mishnah, which says that you're not allowed to dig a cistern next to the cistern of your friends, that makes sense because it's going according to this, because it's a field which is which they're usually are cisterns in. But Abai, who says you're allowed to go all the way up to the side, it's difficult. So Abaya says, actually, our Mishnah is talking about a situation where they both came to dig their cisterns at the same time. So since they came to dig their cisterns at the same time, that's the only reason that you have to distance them. But if they didn't come to dig their cisterns at the same time, you don't have to. Okay, so this is a bit, I know this is a bit confusing, Let's go over the whole thing. The way the suya goes is this, the way this, this part of the suya goes as follows. The Mishnah says you cannot dig a cistern next to your neighbor's cistern. There's also a dispute about whether you can dig a cistern at the border of your property. In the case of digging a cistern at the border of your property, Abaya says yes, Rava says no. How do these two things fit together? First possibility. In a field in which cisterns are regularly dug, that is a field which needs irrigation, everybody agrees that a neighbor cannot dig a cistern at the border. That is, everybody agrees with Rava. 
The dispute regards a field in which cisterns are not regularly dug. That is a field which is only rainwatered and not irrigated. Abayah says, dig, since the probability is that the other guy is not going to dig a cistern. Rava says, don't dig, since just like I'm planning to dig a cistern, so you might be planning to dig a cistern. That's the first possibility. The second possibility, the dispute is with a field in which a cistern is probable. Abaya says, dig, even according to the opinion of the sages in the Mishnah further on in our chapter that one must distance a tree from a cistern 25 amot. The reason being that in that case, the tree and cistern case, at the time that the tree was being planted, there was already a cistern. Here, however, at the time the cistern was being dug, there was no other cistern. Rava says, don't dig. Even according to Rabiosi, who says in the cistern and tree case that one can plant the tree, since this person is digging a cistern in his property and this one is planting a cistern in his property, that case concerns the tree that at the time of planting, there obviously were no roots to damage the cistern. But here, in the case of the cistern at the border of the property, the other guy can say, with every stroke that you hit the ground to dig the cistern, you're weakening my land. This difference is referred to, as we said, as damage that is considered gire or arrows. That is damage that's direct, like weakening the other guy's ground, versus damage that is indirect or in the distant future. Now, remember, we introduce our Mishnah. One is not allowed to dig a cistern next to a fellow cistern. We can deduce that the reason is that there is another cistern already there and there might be immediate damage. However, if there is no other cistern, then it would be okay. So this works out. If we understood that in the case of digging a cistern at the border of the property, if this is concerning a field in which there are not usually cisterns, then everybody agrees that it's okay to dig the cistern up to the border of the property. We can just say that our Mishnah is referring to a case of a field in which there are not usually cisterns. However, according to the version in which they actually dispute about a field in which there are not usually cisterns, so Abaya is cool. He says, as he always does, that you are allowed to dig right next to the border. However, why would Rava say in that case that you are not allowed to dig a cistern? Rava would answer that we understand our Mishnah according to Abaye, or Rav Yehuda, who says that it refers to the wall of the cistern. In other words, it is not directly on the border of the property. It is three tzfachim from the, in from the border. So Rava's no digging on the border stance can be upheld with our Mishnah. There is, however, another version of this excursus. The second version starts that it is all fine according to the understanding that in digging of a cistern on the border of the property question, everybody, that is both Abai and Rava, agree that when it is a field in which folks regularly dig cisterns, you cannot dig a cistern right on the borderline of the property. Then our Mishnah, the line you cannot dig a cistern next to your fellow cistern, is referring to a field in which folks normally dig cisterns. However, according to the version that in a field in which folks normally dig cisterns, Abaya and Rava dispute about digging a cistern at the border of the property, Rava's position, don't do it, makes sense. That is, when put back into our Mishnah, our Mishnah is referring to a field in which folks normally don't dig cisterns. And still, one is not allowed to dig a cistern next to a fellow cistern. This makes sense for Rava's don't dig policy. What about Abaya says dig? Abaya says that our Mishnah is only referring to two people who start digging at the exact same time. That is why it is forbidden. So now we, we, what we have here is this sugi is basically starting with this dispute of Abaya and Rava about whether or not you're allowed to dig a cistern all the way at the, at the border of the property and then expands outward by first figuring out 
whether what kind of a field that's talking about. Is it a field that usually have cisterns in it? Or is it a field where you usually don't have cisterns in it? And then brings in the mission at the end. Ultimately, the question is the following. How much can you exploit your ownership of your land? Does your neighbor's ownership of their land or does your neighbor's land impact your ability to exploit your land to the fullest? So Abaya here seems to say, no, you can go all the way up to the border. Just like Rabiosi in the other Mishnah seems to say, no, this guy's planting a tree in his land. This guy's building the, digging the cistern in their land. Rav, on the other hand, says, no, you have to stay away from the border. Just like the Mishnah says, you have to stay away three Tvachim. And just like the other Mishnah says, you have to stay away 25 Amot from when you're planting a tree if there is a cistern there. So what the Gemara is trying to do is put those three things into context into engagement with each other. And what it comes up with is this theory of the difference between gire, direct damage, and indirect damage. Okay, the Gemara continues. Tashma, we're almost finished. Tashma means we're introducing a text which is going to perhaps um, help us in figuring out which way we go with this Mishnah. Sela hababa yadayim is um, soil which is in some way, it's rocks, which in some way artificial, that they put together by small pebbles. So in other words, it's not real rocks, but it's rocks that would, would kind of fall apart in your hand. One guy could dig his cistern on this side, the other guy can dig his cistern on his side of the property line. This guy has to distance three tfachim, three tefachs, and uh, plaster his cistern. And this guy has to dig three tefachs and plaster his cistern. So actually, the, the manuscripts also add, add a line here, which is important. This is a problem for Abaya. Why is it a problem for Abaya, because you have to distance it three tfachim. So actually, no, because it's when they were talking about a case when they both came to dig at one time. And then it continues. So Abaya says that actually this type of ground is different. So what, so what does it come to teach us? What, what does it add? We need this case of Babi Yadayim. Why? I would have thought came into Babi Yadayim Libai Nami Rav Since it is this kind of stony, pebbly soil which would fall apart in your hands, I would have thought you needed more room. Kamash Milan, no. So it comes to teach us that you don't need more room, you just need the three Tvachim itself. So we thought that this might be a challenge to Abaya. Ends up that it's not a challenge to Abaya because this type of soil is a specific type of soil. And with that, we come to the end of 17b. Today's sugya was a little bit complicated. I hope that I managed to clarify it to some extent. Thank you for joining me. I hope during this time of oncoming apocalypse, I hope that I have made your social isolation a little more pleasant. I um, want to thank, as usual, as always, Ellie Unger-Sargon for producing this podcast. You can follow me 
on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. That's I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T, Irmiklat. And I will see you next week. Stay healthy, wash your hands, socially distance yourself, but learn Torah.